Let's do it. Let's do it. Broadcasting from around the world, you're listening to The First 100, a podcast on how founders acquired their first 100 paying customers. Here's your host, Hadi Rodwan. Good to have you on the show, Mateos. How are you doing today? Hi, Hadi. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm amazing. Thank you for being part of our podcast. I'll give a quick introduction for our listeners. Mateos Riolfi is the founder of Tint, which empowers tech platforms to sell more by embedding unique insurance products in their customer flow. Tint has raised $30 million to date from notable investors such as QED Investors, Y Combinator, and Web Investment Network. Take us back to the founding of How Moment. How did Tint come to your fruition? Yeah, so before my co-founder and I started Tint, we worked at a company called Turo, which is a, the leading company in peer-to-peer car sharing. So basically, it's like Airbnb for cars. You can rent out your car to your neighbor or pretty much everybody or anybody in the world. And Turo was doing something that was radically new and broke every single logic of insurance, which is this idea that now you can drive anybody's car, but insurance used to follow the car, like, and then it's illegal to, to have a car on the road without the liability part of the policy. So in short, Turo had to create a completely new insurance category to exist. And both my co-founder and I were early employees, and we've been through this journey. I was leading the international expansion, so doing the same in different countries. I lived in London for four years and spent a lot of time setting up Turo and the insurance frameworks in, in the UK. My co-founder was the head of data science. So he was building the models, the data part that kind of powers the, what the insurance uh, offerings that, that Turo was having. And we saw two things. We saw huge opportunity because we saw that like there was Turo, this kind of tech, tech company was creating a known insurance category and we looked around and we saw that happening in our Airbnb, Apple, if you think about Apple Care, Tesla, Flexport, like many other great tech companies were creating their own insurance and protection products. But we also experienced how hard it was. It was extremely complicated to do that uh, without help. And that was our inspiration to start Tint. So the product we wish existed when we were at Turo. Amazing story. So technically, is your company Tint a licensed InsureTech or are you using the technology to create embedded products by partnering with other carriers that wants to sell it to your partners? We are technically a broker and a captive manager. We play a few roles, but we are not an insurance company. We're not an underwriter. We see ourselves as a basically a combination of two things. Our technology stack, so we have all the core insurance systems, policy admin claims, whatever you need. So our customers don't need to write a lot of code on their side. And we also connect them with insurance companies or reinsurers. So we provide them the kind of financial capacity as well. And the last role we play is we provide them back office compliance, kind of like services that they need to operate. So from that perspective, we're end to end, but we focus on the connectivity, not as a carrier. Amazing. What has been the hardest problem for you when you're building a B2B insure tech? I think the hardest part is that insure tech requires a lot of pieces. Like as I described, we play at least three roles, right? The software, the compliance backend, and back office, I would say. 
and the risk capital, the, the broker, the matchmaking side of things. And it's a lot. But we see that as an opportunity because the way we are thinking about ourselves is that embedded insurance, it's really reinventing insurance. Because let's say Airbnb is now the one thinking about this product, selling, it completely changes the industry, changes who are the players, what they do, why they exist, and what we do you know, in a simple way is to write this infrastructure, write this product is going to power this new value chain to operate. But that's a challenge. We need to build a lot of pieces, right? So that our solution is complete. Thank you for sharing this uh, journey. Can you take us back to your first client? How did you convince them to join Tent? Yeah, our first client was a company called Outdoorsy. They do Airbnb for RV, so very similar to what we're doing at Turo. And our story with them was very similar, I'd say, to a lot of B2B founders. We knew the space very well because we were both from Turo. We have a contact from Turo who moved to Outdoorsy and was running insurance and claims for them. So we already had somewhat a trust relationship. So that got ourselves uh, the opportunity to you know, show what we could do for them. Uh, back in the day, was back in 2019, 18 or 19. So we didn't have all the components of our product, but our first module, if you think about it, was what we sold to them and we implemented the results are great. And then we started. And then from there, like they were our kind of flagship customers to move into other companies in the same space, in the kind of vehicle sharing or peer-to-peer -peer space. And we grew, we focused on that for some time until we expanded to other verticals. Now we have customers in you know, shipping, companies like deal in the HR space. We have companies in the crypto space. So like now we're like a multi-vertical company. But I'd say in the early days, what we did was really focus where we had domain expertise and connections. Great. Very interestingly for me, it looks like when you land a partner like this, you have done something extremely right. So if you were to write the playbook of getting clients like Outdoorsy, Neighbor, Deal, which are some notable and big clients, what would be the playbook in that case, especially when the sales cycle is long and it's not their core and insurance is not their core revenue stream. How can you close such big names? The playbook would be, I'd say, the same, like an expanded version of what I just said for Outdoors, which is like try to still leverage your domain expertise, your connections. Those matter a lot in the, in the early days. Because again, at some point, you build trust in your brand through the customers you have, through the product, right? But in the early days, it's all about the personal relationships. It's all about like you know them trusting that you will be able to solve uh, something that they have. And that's what we did. So Deal, for example, was a connection through Y Combinator. And that's one of the main advantages of Y Combinator and why we went in the first place. Like you have a network of amazing founders and companies that they still gonna be uh, like, Customers that will want a lot from you because they are all fast growth, exciting startups, but it gives you the foot at the door when you can start having this conversation, start building the trust, and you have somewhat a stamp, right? That can tell to the other founders in the community that, like, okay, they have passed a certain screening from to be in the YC community. So I would say the playbook is exactly the same. Start with what you know, ideally with a product and services that you 
used before in your past life or a problem that you experienced in your past life and then try to sell that first within your immediate network and then expand from there. Do you have any advice for founders who probably don't have access to warm leads and they want to build their momentum, let's say? Would there be any advice that you would give that would help them start at least? I think if you don't have uh, the access, and I'm originally from Brazil, I moved to the US 12 years ago, so I didn't have networks here either. I had to definitely start from scratch. And I'd say my advice, well, what I did was to work for a company like I did for Turo for four years. So I will build that network, I'll build the domain expertise, and then do my company. So that'll be advice number one. But if you already want an advice for fathers who are already in their businesses and trying to hustle, then it is about hustling. It is about the numbers game, right? Like trying to do, reach out to as many companies as possible, to reach out to them on LinkedIn, go to conferences. Like you'd be surprised with the amount of people that if they get the right message at the right time, they will help, right? Especially go focus in earlier stage companies where ideally the founder has a bit more empathy, he or she wants me maybe to pay some for their ways, but I'd say there will be more like a volume game, I would say. Well, if you have some connections through your personal networks, schools, or whatever you can leverage, then I think it becomes more like a targeted approach. What have you been so far the most proud of in building Tint? Well, I think what we've been the most proud of is helping our customers, protecting their end users with are typically people, right? So we're now going through one of the biggest shocks in the venture industry, the, the failure of Silicon Valley Bank. And I think the story is still breaking, but you can see now, like you know, everybody's seeing why thinking about downside scenarios is important, right? There has been a lot of conversation about the insured part of the pod is the uninsured part. Nobody likes to think about those things, but whenever you need, like you really hope that everything is there and available to you. And same like what we do in, in you know, it's complicated, technology is regulated, as you know, as well as I do in the issue tech world. But ultimately it's about protecting people, right? It's a better, cheaper, more convenient ways that people get the protection. So one of our customers, you ship, if you ship a car from one place to the other, like the car may get broken, right? And like maybe I get damaged. And if that happens and they purchase the protection from the ship, they have a very magical experience that they are taking care of. So how do we help more companies to get that in front of their users better in a faster and cheaper way? Right? Because ultimately, the reason why insurance is so important is that things will go wrong. And when they do, you better be covered. Right? That's great advice. Thank you for sharing it, Matthews. If you... Go back now in time, knowing what you know today and with limited funding, where would you have started to acquire your first customer? Would it be the same strategy or would you have done something different? Same strategy, because in the beginning we had some funding, but it wasn't too much. So paid marketing, things like that were not even an option for us. And that's good. It is good in the early days that you have very like constrained resources because then you will go find like the most sustainable, harder yet sustainable paths, right? Which matters a lot 
did matter at that time, matters even more in the market today. So yeah, I don't think we will have changes. She'll go after our networks in places where we have domain expertise and we can intelligently talk about you know, why we can, even as an unproven company, we can solve the problem. Do you place more, let's say, effort on building a perfect product or you prefer to build a product that works well, but you want to land a customer first and then perfect it? Which approach did you go with? My natural inclination is the latter, is to try to like move fast, land a customer and then improve. However, in the one complexity we deal with is that in, in, in a regulated industry, there is a minimum bar you need to, you need to make. So that I think we, we try and like to be agile, but it's not always possible. So again, we still try to apply the same. We have a value in our company that's called compliant agility. So it's still about moving fast, but understanding that we need to do some compliance checks before, which is not B2C or a company in an unregulated space doesn't have to deal with that. Right? Amazing. Thank you for that advice. If we zag a little bit to Matthews, the person, what is the principle that you live by that has served you well in your life or in your business? Yeah, one, one of these, it happens to be another value that we have, not by coincidence, but is this idea of constructive candor. It's the idea that like, I strongly believe in transparency. I strongly believe in being straight in business and personal life and telling the truth. Because if you really care about someone, you tell the truth. And if even so hard thing to hear, that person will get better only if they can knowing what they have to improve and, and keep improving. But you got to do that in a constructive way. Like I also don't believe in just pointing the facts and not helping because this is really not, not great. So we have this idea in our company, this principle of uh, constructive candor, which is always be open, but always be thinking about, okay, here are the things you should improve, but here's what I recommend, right? Not always pointing fingers. If you were in a room with one of the CEOs of your competitors, what's the topic you would discuss with them? I think we'll all discuss like how can we grow grow like you know together in a sense because insurance is so big that like literally two trillion dollars of premium of money flowing around every year and embedded insurance the entire category is just so small has so much potential right people recognize as the one of the most promising areas of insurance, but it's still so small in, in, in relative terms. That to me is about how the tide will lift all the boats. And that's what I'll be talking about. There are plenty of niches to be carved out by all the different companies in the space. That's great. Thank you for sharing it, uh, Matthias. One last question. What's next for Tint? Well, next is continued, like in the trajectory we are, like keep growing, keep adding or keep helping great companies protect their customers, like again, you mentioned Geo, Neighbor, Ushid, Outdoorsy, uh, and others. And uh, I think I feel strongly about us building a world where insurance will become a feature and no longer a product, where you know, people don't have to think about it. They are protected when things go wrong. They have somewhere to go. And that's really what we, you know, every day when we wake up, that's what we're thinking about. Amazing. Where can people reach you? LinkedIn, I'm always there. Like I like to joke, there's probably just one Mateus Riof in the world. So if you type my name on LinkedIn, you, you find me. 
you need to talk with me, Mateus at team.ai, my email, and I'm always happy to help even if they are not prospects or anything related to our business. Thank you, Matthias, for your time. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to The First 100. We hope it inspired you in your journey. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify, and share it with a friend starting their entrepreneurship journey. Leave us a five-star review. Your support will help spread our podcast to more viewers.